name's Sid Garza Hillman, and this is what I think. I'm going to hit you with a little update on my hit training. You see how I did that? I have realized, and I, I, I've done hit training in the past, but not, I'm kind of making it one of my regular things, okay? Just strength training and hit training and all that kind of thing. Anyways, what I didn't realize uh, before and I do realize now is that there is a certain relativity of time in hit training. Um, and so it's physics. It's hit, hit training is physics. Here's how. When you are in the middle of a hit training uh, workout, high intensity interval training, time actually slows down. It's been proven, by the way. Uh, it's been proven. Uh, it slows down. So I was looking it up because I was like, this is weird because I can do a 20 minute hit training and I can get on my bike and think, eh, it's only 20 minutes. But, you know, it's 20 minutes. Like, big deal. 20 minutes. I'll be done in 20 minutes. Seven hours later, when the 20 minutes is up, holy crap. It's the slowest 20 minutes ever. I looked it up. Einstein, I'm not kidding, and this is like in the 40s, had a quote about HIIT training. I'll do my best with the accent because this is his exact quote, which I could not believe. I was like, holy crap, this is amazing. Uh, he said, quote, during the HIIT training, uh, time slows down so much so that during a HIIT workout, you will want to die and also to kill yourself, is what he said. Einstein said that. You want to die and also kill yourself. And I was like, holy shit, I wanted to do both of those things when I did my last hit training. There was a VIP that came to the resort. I'm not going to say who. I am going to say that it was a famous actor and a damn good actor. That was a thing. But I got my shackles up. I'll tell you why. Because, you know, back in the day when I used to make my living as an actor, not a key big guy, not a big actor, a day player, but an actor, not an extra, a principal. So I was at times in the parties thing, okay? Lisa and I would be at a thing because we had friends who would make it and then they'd have a big thing. It, look, it's what it is. The drinks were always good. That's all I'm saying. But I got my shackles up because a lot of them are full of shit. Can we just, I don't miss it. I mean, I miss it. Here's what I miss. Here's what I, if you want to know what I miss about acting is that I was making a good living on about average, average, an hour and a half a week. Average, average. Look, some busier weeks, but on average, about an hour and a half a week. Uh, so I would go bowling at 11 a.m. with my friends who were also making the same kind of living that I was on acting. And we would go bowling at 11 a.m. and drink Heineken's on ice. And I had a ball, still do, by the way, it has Sid on it, engraved Sid on a, I have my own bowling ball. I have my own bowling ball. Okay, look, I'm not going to say that role with the big guys, but I do. I do. I have my own bowling ball. It says Sid on it. Not even my initials. I was just like, just go with my first name because it's just what I want. And back then, I could make those kind of demands. Anyway, just I thought, oh, no, it's going to be the thing and the demanding and the, uh, you know, and couldn't have been more wrong. It was enjoyable, like super down-to-earth guy and his girlfriend, so nice, both actors and just fun and like good. And they don't even know that I acted. Like I didn't even, I wasn't going, hey, by the way. Did you guys see me in Men in Black 2? I bet you did. That there was, I was there for a good 10 seconds. You might not want to close your eyes. Um, but just, I was representing the, the resort. So I've showed them around and talked to them. But so nice. So nice and mellow and like great. It kind of restored my faith a little bit, I got to tell you. I've been having, I have, I've had a rough, a rough go the last couple weeks, I got to tell you. Speaking of um, 
less, which is the episode's title, um, you'll notice that I haven't done an episode in about three weeks because I just figured, you know, if the theme of this episode is less, then I should do less podcasts. Mm. Okay. Look at the show notes, you guys. It's still summer, so I'm running a 30% off special on my online program. Okay? Summer 30. Just go look at it. I, I listened to last ep- the last episode, and even though my announcement on that was, I'm not kidding, probably a minute, it annoyed me for a whole minute. And that, yeah. Thanks, these and show notes, these you guys, to the Patreoners, and thank you so much. Check the show notes for everything else that you want to know about me or what I do or how to get in touch with me or whatever. Okay, done. 15 seconds. 10 seconds? If it was 10 seconds of hit training, those announcements would have been 18 minutes. Before I get to the nitty-gritty on the subject, less, I have an announcement. Uh, this is exciting. I have, as of today, as of yesterday, one less publisher that will put out my book because now I don't have a publisher to put. I had one, and then now I have one less. So do the math. I have zero publishers that are going to put my book out. I have zero publishers that are going to put my book out. I'll let that sink in. You don't care. I care. Now I got to go back to square one and start, would you read my, the book's done. I mean, done. I thought it was coming out. I was ready. I was rolling. I was like, listen, listen, what's going on here? Because we're in a holding pattern. Kind of a bummer, man. Um, Luckily, I have had three other books published. So, you know, I don't have to start from scratch, except for that I totally have to start from scratch. Somehow. Mm. Bill Maher, who I am a a fan of, but not a fan. I'm I'm a fan, but and then he gets like old angry dude things, and that I, that I just go okay. But you know, and he has to content the shit out. I I understand. I get it. Like I, if I don't have con- one of my favorite novels of all time, if not my most favorite novel, The Sports Writer by Richard Ford, and the the uh, protagonist, if you will, uh, Frank Bascom. Bascom, I don't know, whatever. Uh, it's a book, not an audiobook. Um, he is a no- was a novelist, becomes a sports writer. I'm not a sports fan. This book has is not about that. I'm telling you, if you just, it's such, it's like one of the best written books. I've, it's just a great book. The sports writer. Anyways, he's a novelist who quits writing novels because he doesn't have anything else to say. And I, that may be the best part of that book that I always remember. So in my launching of this show, when I did, a while ago now, what's it thinks away from my other show approaching the natural, which I did every week. My rule was if I don't have things to say, I don't do a podcast and that's been the rule. So I just was like, I kept waiting for something to come in and then finally it did. And here I am. Whereas Bill Maher has to do it every week. So I get it. I understand. He also has a team of people to create content. So it's not really apples to apples, is it? Um, but I'm moving forward. He kind of nicked the idea of this. As I was coming up with this and writing my notes in it, then I watched his monologue or whatever it was, a new rule. And it was like, son of a bit. It's kind of the same thing. God damn it. Not really though. But I'm, I decided I'm going to move forward. You know why? Don't dance for the man. I never have. I might've danced for the man once. Plus my listenership, uh, and this is where Bill Maher and I definitely diverge. My listenership is more valuable to the world. Okay. Each of every one of you count his nameless, faceless. That's this, that's this a thing. They will not carry on the message. You will. My listener counts. Oh, did you mean listeners? No, my listener counts. Isn't it interesting uh, that less of most everything is better? That's my question to you today. Isn't it interesting 
that less of most everything is better. Now, if you are going, oh, stoic, it's a little bit in that. I got to tell you. Now, I was a philosophy major. I got my bachelor's degree in philosophy from UCLA. Did not study stoicism. Or if I did, I don't remember studying stoicism. Okay? I might have just, no, I would have remembered There's a little bit of crossover with Aristotle in terms of virtue and stuff, but mostly it's in the beard arena. Like everybody, they they were in, everyone's like, what do you think of this beard? You should make a statue of me just from the shoulders up on this one because this beard rocks hard. And that was the crossover. But since my days uh, in school, um, you know, stoicism, something I'm fairly versed at a little bit. I did pick up a book recently. I was on a college trip with my daughter. Now she's going to school in four days from now, and I'm a little traumatized, I got to tell you. So that's why I've had a couple of rough weeks. I got lost the publisher. Um, the resort's been kind of funky, and um, my daughter's leaving, my first child. It's, it's a little bit, it's a little tearful at random, like, manopause time. You know what I mean? But on that college trip, I, I picked up a, a book on stoicism, mostly because I love the cover. It was letterpressed, and it was very cool. It was a very cool cover. You, by the way, you can judge a book by its cover. This is true. You can absolutely. If somebody takes the time to create a cool cover, there's a. It's not a hundred percent. There's a good chance it's going to be better than a, a piece of shit uh, cover. Okay, just look. Little nuggets of wisdom. Anyway, I picked up a book on stoicism mostly because of the cover. And also it was like just the size of, of my first book, Approaching the Natural. Like it was kind of that little manifesto kind of thing. And I was like, oh, I'll read up on just different stoics and their quotes and everything. And then there was some stuff on slavery and treating how to treat your slaves. And I thought, huh, not everything about stoicism was on the money. I think we can agree with that. But the simplicity of the f- approach is, is uh, I think, rings true. Um, the simplicity in terms of both the approach, but also ad- the advocating of a more simple life, of a life of a life with less. And I find that most of what we suffer from in the modern world is a suffering of excess. That goes for obviously the obvious stuff like diet and everything. But I think there's an excess of, in most things. In my first book, again, Approach the Natural, I do I split up between physical and mental nutrition. I think we're excessive and low quality in both those arenas, I got to tell you. And I recently have been paying attention to this. I, I find myself like in a good place, like on a Saturday night, hanging out with my family, watching a movie, and it's great, good food. Like we're hanging, it's all good, it's all good. And my first inclination, my in my brain, I go, I, I have this like, it's not, con, it's conscious, but not, I go in this, I have this feeling of like, how can I enhance this? Like, this is great. And my first reaction to it is how can I make it even better? And that's, I think, where we fail, or at least I do. But I, look, I've been doing this a long time, work with lots of people. So it is in this kind of like, how do we enhance this? Like I have, I always talk about food and I always go, is it good enough? That's such a powerful question that I ask myself on occasion and also my clients. Is it good enough? If it's good enough, then you're like in a great place where you can be there for it. But if you're looking like, I maybe I can, I just, I want more. If you're always in a place of, I want more, we lose. We lose. It is never, this is just where it needs to be. And this is as good as it needs to be. We're never in that rare, in that place. We think this is great and we should enhance it. And here's the funny thing about it. Not the funny thing, but ironic. Maybe that's the right word because I don't have a dictionary. When you don't try to enhance 
something, it actually makes this situation better. That's the weird thing. Not trying to enhance that situation brings you back to the actual situation and go, okay, it is awesome. Like I'm in a good place. I'm, I feel I'm in a good mood. I'm with people I love. I'm doing something fun. And if I don't try to enhance it, it makes that, that thing even better. It's when we think grass is greener if I bring more salt on my popcorn, then, we, then we're all, all of a sudden one more bourbon and then I, I'm hungover. It's just that place. Less exercise for most of my clients. Sorry, but it's true. There was just a great article in the New York Times about this girl who had, you know, suffered from, you know, post-traumatic stress. And look, I get it. But her article was about how she found what she thought was a solution in basically exercising the crap out of herself and just injured and just this massive, like, other side of that thing. It's not kind. It's not self-care. It's just this kind of like, well, I'm going to finish this thing and cover it with this thing and I'm going to push the crap out of myself. And it feels good in the moment. I get it like a, a hit exercise, for instance, right? After a after 17-hour um, hit workout, boy, I'll tell you what, I feel great. Einstein. Um, less exercise for most people. Less junk food. Less junk physical nutrition, let's say. Less junk mental nutrition, right? Less social media. Less YouTube. Less clutter in our houses. Less stuff in our houses. Less of most things. Now, side note, most beneficial and happy creating mores, in other words, things that we should do more of, are fucking free. I mean, this is the crazy thing about it. More silence, free. More relaxation, free. More time with friends and family, free. And even the perceived expensive mores like healthy food, healthy eating, pale in comparison to the cost of the unhealthy things that we're over consuming. And all another side note. Now, I was already on a side note, so this is like a, a B-side note. Expensive, healthy eating, the perception of it, not so much when you figure out all the expenses that you incur with an unhealthy lifestyle, and that comes to everything from, yes, you're going to think I'm crazy, underarm deodorant, all the products that we have to buy for ourselves when we are unhealthy from the inside, our bodies smell bad, and our skin is bad, and our hair, look, my hair is, you've seen my hair, locks of waving, waviness, okay? When you fact Tylenol, when you factor in the the side expenses, Pepto-Bismol, of things that are created from our unhealthy, healthy eating is super affordable and super cheap. Sorry, but it is because it removes, you can't go one-to-one. You can't go Big Mac to cucumber, Big Mac's cheaper. Sure, yeah, you get what you pay for, first of all. But second of all, even if the cucumber's more expensive, good, because the more you eat that, the less other stuff that you need. Done. And by the way, that goes for just a whole bunch of different stuff that you don't need. Um, so stoicism. So I always, I, I've been two times in the last week, I've told the story for some reason. I think we were talking about in, uh, just uh, teaching and things like that. But anyways, I always remember this one class. This is a complete tangent in at UCLA on, I think it was on David Hume and the professor who, by the way, had a beard. I mean, what is going on with that whole thing? He had a beard and his, the entire class, not a joke, he stood at the front of the class and read out of a book that he was writing. He didn't lecture. He didn't even look up. He just read from the book that he was writing. Here's the only exception. Once in a while, he would walk over to the side window 
And he would, I am not kidding, he would look out the window and stroke his beard like a guy who was thinking about stuff. I'm not kidding. It was like a caricature. Good Lord. He, crazy. Worst professor. Like, guys, can we do a little bit of trying to make it interesting for us? Kids, huh? Let's inspire a little inspiration, wouldn't you say? But here's my thing about stoicism. A lot of this seems to be at least about, uh, from what I'm, what I've read and and things that I've listened, lectures and things like that, it's, it's about removing things. It is this kind of ethic of like less stuff, get rid of stuff, you know, just get, simplify that kind of thing. And I'm all for it in terms of the goal. But as a small stepper, I am definitely, and as a nutritionist, by the way, am definitely in the add-in uh, place, which is weird when you think about less and now I'm saying add-in, but hear, hear me out. So in my book, Six Truths, one of my truths is the more aware you are of what you give a crap about, the happier you'll be. That's truth five. The more aware you are of what you give a crap about, the happier you'll be. And here's what, I, here's what I'm advocating for. You start spending a few minutes defining the things that you actually care about. Not in the thick of it, not at work, but when you're quiet and you have a minute before you turn on freaking whatever, spend a few minutes. What do I actually care about? And hold dear that list. Hold sacred that list. That list will deliver you a simpler life because you will start to focus on the things that you care about more by knowing what they are first. Removing things out of your life is a tough path. Once we have things, trust me, I'm in this. There's been seven and 7.4 times in the last week where I'm like, man, wouldn't it be cool if I just sold everything and we moved into a tiny home and I worked part-time at a coffee house that I may or may not own at that time. And I work four hours a week, four hours. You get coffee at my coffee house, four hours a week. There's definitely that like moment where I'm like, oh, this is like hard to maintain and you're in it, but removing things is a tough path. It's a mindset of restriction, not expansion. And we think that when we make a change, there is a restriction often built into that diet. By the way, a perfect example, when we, I mean, anybody who perceives how I eat is like, oh my God, I couldn't be that. We, it's referred to as restrictions. I was just watching a uh, Hot Ones YouTube video if you haven't seen Hot Ones, I highly recommend it. It's a it's a um, interview uh, show on YouTube. It's hilarious. If they get progressive, they eat progressively hotter um, hot sauces during the interview. So these celebrities show up and they've got their sort of style of doing. And then by the time they have this one hot sauce called De Bomb, they are they lose their shit. Like they can't even answer questions. They're sweating. They're like walking around. They can't even handle it. It's hilarious. And then they continue. Anyways, it, and the, the interviewer is fantastic. He does goes deep dive. He's really good, really good, really good uh, job. Anyways, so Lizzo was on recently. I think she's vegan. Um, I watched part of it. I usually skip to the point where they eat the hottest one because it's just so hilarious. And then I move on because I don't have the time. Um, anyways, it's one of the, I, I saw the top comment. It was like, oh, and he's so nice about her dietary restrictions. It's like, that's not a dietary restriction. It's not a, not, not everybody eats everything. Not everybody. If you ask any um, so-called omnivore, which not physiologically, but you know, whatever, do you eat dog? Most people, unless they live in places that eat dogs would say, oh my God, good Lord. Well, is that restrictive that they don't eat dog? Are they, are, are they restrictive for not eating dog? 
Do you eat cockroaches? Good Lord, no. They're edible. Why? Well, I don't. That's disgusting. Okay, that's very restrictive. So the idea of, of embodying an add-in mindset is saying, I'm now choosing to add this in. And I'm bringing this in, bringing, more simpl- bringing in more simplicity, going on walks in nature, taking time with my family, adding these things in instead of I'm going to remove social media, I'm going to remove junk food, I'm going to remove you know, too much exercise or whatever. Focusing on what you are, who you are, what you care about, and adopting over time, it takes time, an add-in mentality. What do you want to bring in? What choices do you want to make in your life to eventually yield a simpler existence? One thing we have to remember, and I, it's a tough pill to swallow, I got to tell you, is our need for junk food and drugs and alcohol and even just things, material things that Stoics are like, get rid of that shit. Okay, well, that's easier said than done because the thing is those things exist because the stresses in the modern world, this is oversimplifying, but I'm telling you, it's about this simple. Those things exist in our lives because they keep us afloat in many ways. I mean, I've never told a client not to eat something. I don't say don't eat stuff. I'm saying, here's the healthy stuff. This is the stuff that's going to serve you well. This is the stuff that's going to make you happier. But also the unhealthy stuff will too, because that's fun too. But right now, potentially you're erring more toward the healthy stuff because, I'm sorry, toward the unhealthy stuff because the stress of your life is like, I need that stuff to balance me out. And so when you start managing the stress of your life, when you know what you care about and get back to those basics of focus, mental focus, mind first, body second, like I always say, then you can start making those moves to tip the scales in your favor as always bring in those things know what you care about and start bringing in those things and it's a it's a mindset of of adding in but when you say get rid of your material all your material stuff was like no i i want the xbox because it's kept me afloat i don't play video games it's a total hypothetical but i you know i want that thing gives me pleasure now I want junk food. I want cheese. It gives me pleasure. Okay, good. Just not as much pleasure as healthy eating would, but you can't take someone's cheese away right away because it got there like a cigarette out of a need. So you have to address the need. You have to address, can I simpli- Can I make a move to simplify, but not from a restrictive, I got to get rid of a bunch of stuff, to, but to simplify in in, a, in an environment of adding in, of do like my always be doing episode last week, bring these things in over time. The things, what things? The things you care about. Clear shelves, a clean house, healthy food, exercise that you enjoy that makes you feel energetic after you're done with it. Makes you have energy the rest of the day. Makes you sleep better, not worse. That overexercise, by the way, does bring in these things over time and the other stuff literal and figurative will exit from your life there are no Out of Los Angeles The inroads all converge to one 
Except for 